Hello from sunny Vancouver and welcome to the AFTN podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall. And I'm Steve Pander. And thanks for joining us for episode 7 of our podcast. Hopefully you like our new theme tune. It's been especially written for the podcast by local Vancouver band The Wells. We're big fans of the band. We want you to be too. So if you want to check out more of their stuff, have a look at their website. It's theowells.com or follow them on Twitter at theowells. So, on with the show. Hopefully that didn't sound too perky because I'm not really in a perky mood at the moment the way the Whitecaps have been playing. It's been pretty dire stuff the last few away games anyway. Little bit of little bit of hope at home, but at the same time it's kind of just papering over the cracks if if you want to look at it that way. This is going to be one of two podcasts that we do this week. We're going to have a look back at the RSL game. Just a little look, don't want to get too depressed. Have a chat about some of the things that's going wrong. Why we can't win on the road. Why Darren Mattox can't buy a goal at the moment. And then we'll have a look at Saturday's visitors at BC Place. LA Galaxy, just the, the team that you're needing to, to come and play when you're when you're not really... When you're basically in a funk. I think that that's what we can really say about it. After Saturday's game, we're also hoping to do one of our post-game podcasts. Some stuff from both dressing rooms, just have a chat, have a special guest or two as well. See what we can come up with and also look ahead to the Voyager's Cup game. But I guess I've put it off for long enough. Let's have a look back at Real Salt Lake on Saturday. 2-0 defeat, terrible overall performance. Let's not dwell on it too much, Steve, and are there any positives that that you can take from the game? Very few uh, uh, coming out of this match. Um, obviously, Rio Coker, with his performance, once again, he showed that he's uh, a top player in MLS already. I thought Corey Herzog did well up top for the, you know, the few chances he did have. Um, but other than that, I didn't see anything coming out of there. And it's a funny thing, too, because this is the lineup that both of us wanted to see and I don't know, you know, what could have gone, like, how much better of a lineup you could have had out there. Seems like the fullbacks did not, the Rochat or Lee, seemed to want to play going forward. On the goals allowed, individual mistakes, um, Lee with the giving, once again, not only him, but it's a, it's a, been the all year long, giving up way too much space, giving, not thinking that the guy's going to cross, just standing there waiting for him to uh, play a one-on-one and not attacking the ball instead of letting allowing the attacker to do something with the ball. On the second goal, Kofi uh, gets uh, gets beat, gets passed around by Morales and then Morales goes by him and then he just decides to jog until the last moment and then by then it's too late. So, you know, what what do you think of the lineup or what could we have done better? I'm not really wanting to sound like a broken down record and I keep going on about this every single podcast, every single thing I seem to write about the Whitecaps post-game now. We have to mark up and play better defensively and we have to take our chances and it killed us once again. The slack marking for the two goals, it was just terrible, awful to see. And the team... Yeah, they didn't show any spirit. They just didn't show any fight. And it was a horrible performance. What made it worse for me, I think, was Real Salt Lake did not look a good team. They looked pretty poor themselves. And that was a team that I think would have been there for the taking. 
but they hardly had to get out of first gear to, to get the three points in the bag. And that's what really hurts. And, of course, after the game, the big talking point is the the dressing down that Martin Reddy and Nigel Rio Coker gave the whole squad, saying that they didn't have the heart, they were too soft, that they had to answer to the fans, apologise for that performance. And it, you've, we've seen it before from Rio Coker this season, but from Rennie, it was such a change of direction for him and so out of character as well. Now, those comments obviously received a lot of airplay on the radio, discussions on social media, on various forums and articles, and it was one of the talking points at training on Tuesday. Now that dust has settled, people's had time to sleep on it, people's had time to hear and read what all the comments have been said, what does Martin Rennie and an experienced player like Joe Cannon think of the fact that the team was berated like that after the game? Well, here's what they had to say on that. Well, I didn't see Martin's comments, so I can't obviously uh, reflect on that. As far as the soft comment go, um, you know, Nigel's out there in the fray with the guys. Uh, and, you know, with his experience, uh, he has a right to say that. Um, I think our team is, we're putting in the work and, and we're getting on with it. And uh, I think focusing on what was said in the past, um, you know, especially with the media, is a recipe uh, for disaster because that sets a precedent where we'll have to start answering everything that comes out of the paper and uh, I don't think we want to do that just yet. I think uh, there's not been many times we've had harsh words with, with you know, certainly publicly with any players, but I think that it was the right time just to, to point out a few things that need to get better. Um, you know, I think when our road form needs to improve and I think that, you know, that some of that does come down to the, the commitment and the work ethic and, and I think things that stood out to me were when we lost... Uh, the goals, I didn't think we got back well enough. When we had chances to get in the box, we didn't have enough players getting into the box. And some of that's down to just the, the willpower to get there. So I think that's something that, you know, it's fair to point out. But we've pointed that out now and, and we move on. Generally, that's my, my philosophy, is that um, any criticism is really in-house. There was certainly no criticism of any individuals. Um, but just as, as a group, I think we could have done a little bit better. So I, I don't think that it's wrong to do that occasionally. But generally, I'm really happy with the players. I really like the players that, that we have here. I like their personalities. I like working with them. I think they're good guys. I think they're very talented players. Um, but as a group, we need to get a little bit more and we need to improve. And uh, that's, that's you know the case in almost every team. You've got to keep getting better. You've got to keep driving yourself forward. And you know every now and then, if things aren't quite as good as they need to be, then that needs to be pointed out. So that was Joe Cannon and Martin Rennie talking about the post-game comments at training on Tuesday. What did you think of that? Were you happy to see it? Was it something that you felt the team were needing? Were you pleased to see Martin Rennie coming out and, and making those statements? Or was it something that should have stayed in the dressing room? thought they were very accurate and also refreshing. If, if Rennie had come out again and given a positive spin to this, this match, it would have lost it. I would have lost it for sure. So it's good and refreshing that he actually called the players out. Rio Coker was uh, pretty accurate in his statements about how they played. They just, they allowed to get beaten too easily. And the way he elaborated that uh, it's not about, you know, making hard tackles and stuff like that. It's about being hard to beat. That's a exactly accurate of how, what happened during this game it, it, it's funny thing too that the it's, it seems like uh, Rennie really uh, um, showed in the substitutions of uh, some of the blame if you look at remember if you if you, I don't know if you noticed uh, when Camilo was subbed off uh, Camilo uh, Rennie gave him a proper handshake 
uh, you know, to give him a pat on the back. When Rush shot came off after the second goal, Rennie was just standing at the sideline and did not even acknowledge Alan coming off the, off the onto the bench. So I thought that was pretty telling. And you got to think: Is there pressure going to be on Rennie now? I don't think so. I think he I think he should be given enough time to do this. But maybe there is a little bit of a change in how they uh, bring in players in the next uh, few transfer windows. Maybe they decide to take that out of Rennie's hands and maybe bring in somebody that can uh, uh, maybe a different voice in that, maybe hire somebody or something like that. So maybe they do that. I'm not sure if they would or not. That kind of goes against what, how, you know, when they hired him, then giving him the free reins to bring in whoever they wanted to, whoever he wanted to. So you have to think maybe, maybe there is something there, but I, I don't think so. I think it's too early to, you know, what, what do you think about that? Do you think he's going to have pressure on him and he's feeling it right now? What I find really interesting from from the whole thing from Rennie's point of view, I mean, from Rio Coker, I expect that he has a history of doing it at other clubs as well, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Looking at it from Rennie's criticism, it's a very unusual thing for Martin Rennie to do. He usually shields the players, that's a word that he's used himself, and kind of protects them from that kind of criticism, but he felt he had to, to dish that criticism out on Saturday. Now, to me... That smacked of a manager that knew he was under pressure. A manager that knew that media, fans, people on social media, they were going to criticise him. He was going to get a lot of flack for his team selection, for his tactics, and just the way the team's been playing this season. And I think he tried to deflect some of that onto the players by saying, look, the players, just they're not good enough, they didn't do what what I wanted them to do or they need to kind of look inside themselves and ultimately just play better. I think that is so telling and I think it is a sign that the pressure is on Rennie and that he is feeling that pressure. There's even been some fans calling for his head this early in the season. Jay Duke had an article on AFTN on Tuesday saying it's okay to criticise Rennie, criticise the team, but there has to be some objectivity to it. And for fans calling for his head this early in the season was ridiculous and he needs to get the season to build his team and see how they do, see if they have moved forward or if they have regressed. I agree with that to a certain extent, but the way that the team is going just now, if we crash out in really bad fashion to Montreal in the Voyagers Cup, which I think we will do, but that's going to be for the weekend show, if we do that, if we lose the Voyagers Cup... If we don't get a win against Portland, if we don't come out of these two home games with at least four points, and then we have a loss in New York, a loss in Seattle, I think he should go. And I don't see the ownership group looking at the table, looking at those results, looking at all the things that we've lost, and being prepared to give him much more wiggle room to to turn things around. And I think we could see the pressure on him in June. And I think rightly so. If he was managing a team in Europe, and I know we can't keep comparing MLS to Europe, all that kind of stuff. If he was managing a team in another league, the fans would be so much more vocal about getting him out. I know my team in Scotland is five. We've hounded out so many managers over the years, which isn't the right way to go either. But there comes a time, what has to change? And it has to be at the top and it has to be the management. So the pressure is on him. 
to me, he needs four points from these next two home games. Try and get something from these away games in Seattle and New York. And a good performance, not necessarily winning the Voyagers Cup, but a good performance in the Voyagers Cup to to kind of keep the wheels from his door, really, and to really keep him in Vancouver in the manager's job. I think this is the most telling period, the most telling month for Martin Rennie, not just in his Whitecats managerial career, but I think in all of his managerial career in North America so far. So everyone knows that Vancouver's road form is just absolutely terrible. Three wins in our entire MLS era. None the first year, three last year, none so far this year. We have not won an away match since July 4th against Colorado Rapids last season. And that, that was a huge win because I think that ultimately was probably the win that clinched us our playoff spot. If we hadn't got those three points, we would really have been chasing it and I don't think we would have made the playoffs. So that, that in itself was a huge win. We just can't do it very often. We just can't do it this season so far. And like I said in, a, in a, an earlier piece on AFTN, I cannot see us getting a road win until at least August. And I don't know, you look at the fixtures and you kind of have to wonder, are we even going to get one all season? So what makes playing on the road in MLS so hard? Is there something that we're doing wrong? Other teams seem to manage it okay. Here's the thoughts of Andy O'Brien, a player who's played on the road throughout the UK, European games, internationally for the Republic of Ireland. He's used to playing games away from home. So what does he think makes it so different playing away from home in MLS? Here's what he had to say. Well, I think every game's different. I think we've conceded goals straight after half-time, which is sometimes difficult to, uh, you know, as I said before, you're chasing your tail after that. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm yet to discover or understand why there's such a big contrast between teams at home and away. Um, you know, whether it's a travelling, whether it's, you know, Salt Lake's got a high altitude, I don't, I don't know. Um, but, you know, my own experience in terms of playing away from home is one that, you know, you, you're solid and, um, you know, you frustrate the opposition. You know, the home crowd might get on the, the team's back um, and you make it difficult and, and worst case, you know, you come away with a draw. So that's Andy's thoughts on the on the whole issue. Now, there doesn't really appear to be any simple solution as to why the Whitecaps are just so poor. It, it's getting to the point now, it's, it's expected. Are they going on the pitch expecting to lose? Is it the travel? Is it all the other stuff that goes with it? The altitude, the heat, playing on turf, one week grass, all that kind of stuff. What do you think makes it so difficult for the Whitecaps to go and get a win away from home. How do other teams manage to do it? How do other teams go away from home and manage to win? We saw at the weekend some great away performances from Montreal, from Seattle, yet we can't do that. So how do these teams manage it and we can't? I honestly think it's 
two things and they kind of, kind of go hand in hand. I think they don't have the belief that they can win on the road. Um, for some reason, they had it for a short spell at the beginning of last season. Maybe it was just dumb luck that they got those goals, some of those wins. But they had, uh, they essentially have no belief, it seems like, that they can win on the road. And because they have no belief, they lack desire to win. And that's essentially where I think they struggle to, you know, get points or even victories on the road. Honestly, I, I, I don't watch too many other MLS matches. But when you do see a, a team pull off a victory, it seems like they honestly don't care where they're playing and they just go out and play. Um, especially when teams come out to Vancouver and they've won in the past. They, they honestly don't care and they just go out. Like a team like LA, for example, just goes out and plays their game and you know they don't really care where they're playing so they don't adjust much. It's just baffling. I, I don't know. I mean, the reserves, they went to Colorado on Tuesday. They won. They got a 2-1 win in the altitude in Colorado. So if they can manage to do it, how come the, the first team guys can't do it? Part of it is mental as far as I'm concerned. Tactics is another thing. We've said this so many times, I've written it so many times now. problem with Martin Rennie's tactics away from home is they're great whilst you're drawing 0-0. Playing defensive football trying to play on the counter, all that is fantastic whilst you are winning or drawing. As soon as his teams go behind, either he doesn't have the tactical nuance to change things or the players don't have the ability to change out the formation that he's given them and they just cannot play and they cannot raise the game out of that defensiveness. They can't then take the game to the opposition and when they do eventually somehow snap out of it for short periods of time, it's too late, it's over. So as I say, the reserves managed it on Tuesday. It's not the first time the reserves have have done something like that that the first team haven't. So from what you've seen so far at training, from what you've seen off the reserve games that that we've had here in Vancouver, who do you think is pushing from from those games to to get into the starting eleven? Who did we see play in Colorado on Tuesday that can win on the road and we can maybe bring in the first team now and, and give them a shot? Yeah, it's quite funny how these guys, uh, I think they played a pretty decent Colorado side. Um, I, I, would, I would say Colorado probably had a bit of an advantage, especially playing at home. But the reserves went in there on the road, young squad, backline was kind of mishmash from what it looked like. Two uh, essentially had Clement and Edukube, it seemed like, playing center back. Uh, so... Um, yeah, it was good to see them uh, to the win. And obviously, I wanted to make a shout-out to Adekube, who played two games on the weekend. Um, didn't play a full game on Sunday, but played two games on the weekend and then traveled on Tuesday to play a third third game in four days. So, obviously, fixture congestion is not an issue for him. But, uh, for you know, for a starting spot in the eleven. I think they have to maybe go back to Kakuta Mane. Um, they have they're bringing him off the bench. He's showing some stuff off the bench, but maybe he does deserve a full start. And maybe Heinemann up top, uh, bring him back into the starting eleven just to change things up. Other than that, I'm not sure. You know who really? I mean, actually, you know what? Maybe Jordan Harvey deserves a spot because of the fact that how badly Ellen Rochette is playing. Um, so maybe that's another guy that should, maybe should be 
um, pushing in because it just again I don't know how well he played in Colorado, but in the other reserve matches he played well, and Elan Rochette has not shown anything. I I honestly that's actually the one of the biggest things that we should look at. Like what's wrong with him? Is he like uh, not wanting to get injured because he's looking for a contract? Or like what's going on? Is he does he know that he's not coming back? Has he already already been told? And he's just depressed about that. I'm not sure. So you have to wonder what's going on with him, and maybe Harvey pulls in for him. There have been some guys that's that's done well in the reserves. Martin Rennie's not been afraid to to throw some of these guys in, like Herzog and Heinemann. From what he said in Whitecaps Daily on Monday, when when Pete Shad said to him. The form of, of the fullbacks, Rashad and Lee, away from home is so markedly different to the form at BC Place. Is it getting to the stage now where you're not going to take those guys on the road? And and Rennie right away just went, yep. And that, that was basically it. The most telling one-word answer you could really get to a question. So that's going to throw up the opportunity for Harvey, to throw up the opportunity for Clausura to, to get some minutes on the road. And I... I really wouldn't be surprised if both those guys took their chances. And the thing then is, if they go and play really well on the road, and we start to get some points on the road, some wins on the road, clean sheets on the road, Rennie's then kind of painting himself into a corner. Maybe it's a nice corner to be painted into, but do you then drop Lee and Rashad from the home games and play the likes of Harvey and Clausura if they are performing away from home? I say yes, and I think they would deserve their chance to get it. Rashad's had a stinker and I never thought I would be sitting here saying, yep, Harvey could be the guy that could turn this this team around, but that's kind of how it's looking just now. But of course, all this talk of away stuff, it's not even going to come into play in, in MLS action until the start of June because we've got two home games coming up. First of them this Saturday, the MLS champions are coming to town. The Galaxy of LA. So, LA coming to town on Saturday. Now, I said at the start of the show, they were probably one of the worst teams that you could have coming to BC Place when the team's in a funk. Now, maybe that isn't right. Maybe that's just the team that we need to get just now. A top team, reigning MLS champions, a team that's already doing well in the West this season, getting results without even playing their top players. They've rested Landon Donovan for some games... Robbie Keane's been missing recently and they've still been grinding out results. Yes, they, they had a loss at the weekend to Houston, but they're still getting the results in. Maybe that is the kind of team that the Whitecaps need to play to give them that boost, to give them that kick up the ass that we need to perform because we're we're playing a top team. The Whitecaps might be a side, and I've seen this so often with my other teams over the years, they play poor unless they're playing the top teams and then they seem to raise the game and and they play out their skin. Now, maybe that's just wishful thinking. Maybe it's more hope than expectation, but the players at training on Tuesday were talking that. that that's the, 
the buzz you were getting. It's like big team coming, they're going to raise the game, they're playing in front of the home fans, everything's going to be good and they're going to play a good game. Is that how you see it? What would be your keys for Vancouver to get anything from this game? Based on current form, you it's hard to expect them to get a, a, a victory out of this, especially with their long history with the Galaxy. But you, one thing you do hope that they do show are some spine, essentially. Like, show, show some fight in their game and go attack right off the bat and not let the other team dictate play, especially in your home turf. Uh, so, essentially, that's what I think. And, obviously, there's going to be no Beckham this year. So, um, maybe we, there would be a full crowd that's cheering on the Whitecaps instead of some people cheering on Beckham. So, that would be a good thing. Um, how do they pull this off? It's, it, it would be tough. I'm, I'm thinking you have to get the first goal. Can't play, keep playing from behind again. Attack wide. Stretch out their D, uh, the back line especially, who, which is very solid. Um, try to keep switch switch play back and forth. And keep it tight in the back. That's essentially what they can do. Um, it, it's I know it sounds obvious, kind of keys to the game, but uh, it, in order to get the three points, maybe that's what they have to do. The obvious. I'm going to continue on my my Debbie Downer mood that I've been in in the last couple of podcasts. This one on, on the West Coast Soccer one, and say I'm expecting nothing from the game on Saturday, and I could see a two-three goal defeat quite easily. Fairly hit their stride. It, it could be horrible. I know we play differently at home. I know the crowd can lift the team. I just don't think it's going to happen this week. And I think this is going to be the the hammering which some of us have been expecting in recent weeks. And it's going to be horrible if it comes. And it's going to be even more horrible if it was to come at home. Now, of course, one of the big questions that everyone's wondering is who is Martin Rennie going to go with up front? He's been trying, it, it seems, different combinations for every single game. Now, for me, I'd, I'd like to see us just move into a plain 4-4-2. And up front, I want Herzog to play. I know he's got his detractors out there. He, a lot of people don't think he's MLS quality. I think he is that rare commodity that you get in the game these days of a natural poacher, a natural goal scorer. And he needs to be playing with somebody up front beside him to get the best out of him. He is not a player that is made for a lone striker's role. I'd love to see him up there, maybe with someone like Heinemann, who I'm still not 100% won over on. But if you can imagine Heinemann and Herzog up front, balls coming in, Heinemann knocking headers on goal, knocking headers down to Herzog. Herzog is the kind of guy that would pick up the crumbs, put the ball in the net. He's shown it in reserve games. He's shown it pre-season. And maybe he isn't one of the best strikers that you're going to see in MLS, but he is a guy that is at least putting the ball in the net this year, and it's more than he can say for some of these other guys. Now, if we don't have Hyman up front with him, a Herzog-Camillo front two, that would work with me just now. Ideally, I'd like to see Miller and Herzog, but for this coming Saturday, I would personally go with Camillo and Herzog, or at a push, Heinemann and Herzog up front. Now, of course, missing from all those combinations is Darmatics, and he's he's a guy that is so out of form just now. Played on Tuesday against Colorado Rapids, didn't get a goal, didn't get an assist. He has been struggling so badly, and there just seems to be no end to it. Now, you've got people saying, keep playing him, his, his luck's going to change, and when it changes, he's going to get in a roll, he's going to start to get all those goals going in. I just don't see that. 
what would you do with him, Steve? Would you play him? What do you do with him? I honestly don't know where to put uh, Maddox at this point. I think, uh, like we talked about after the Dallas game, maybe put him in a wide spot, get him a little bit of runs into the box instead of just you know being that target guy up top. If they do, if they do put him up top, they need to put a second guy with him, either Heineman or Herzog, somebody who'll do the work, somebody who'll get flick-ons on so he could run onto them. Um, so uh, that would probably be the best place to put him at right at this point i don't think he's very effective right now as a single striker up top he just it's just not his where where he can be effective and then looking at other parts of the lineup we should even talk about we should probably talk about this as well I, I I think we discussed it earlier. Harvey, I think, deserves to get a start at this point just because of uh, not really his, uh, you know, form of play in the reserves, but uh, Rashad's lack of form in, in the regular MLS games. Or maybe they save Harvey for an, a road game and they hope Rashad can play better at home again in front of the home crowd. I think the midfield will be just shuffled a little bit. Maybe Davidson comes back in, but I'm hoping not. I hope they stick with this same midfield for a while and try to get them, you know, to work their kinks out. But I think that would be probably the best bet and uh, more effective for the team. Yeah, totally agree with you there about the midfield. I'd like to keep it the same for a few games, get some stability in there. As you say, iron out the kinks, see how they can perform together. And hopefully this could be the, the midfield that takes us through to the end of the season. In defence, I think Johnny Leveron's done enough to, to keep his place from the two games that he played against Edmonton and Salt Lake. And I'd like to see Harvey get a shot at left-back. I think Rashad needs a rest. He needs to get his shot. And also for the away games, I'd like to see Klazura get a run, not just in these Voyager's Cup games, but I'd like to see him get some MLS minutes as well. Now, I know this is not going to be a popular viewpoint. There's probably very few people listening to this that's going to agree with it. But I would trade Darren Mattox. Transfer window's just closed. I think this was the time to try and get him traded. Folk are going to say that's a crazy idea. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of future potential, future marketability selling on if he if he hits his stride. But if you look at the team just now, the big thing that is missing with our strikers is experience. A proven goal scorer. A proven MLS goal scorer. Someone who's been in this league for a while. Someone who can put the ball in the net. Yes, that's what every team is needing. Yes, that's what every team is wanting and they're they're hard to come by. There are a lot of teams out there that would trade some of their veteran players for a young guy with the potential and the quality of Matix. Why would we want to get rid of someone that's young? Someone that's got the potential? Because we have other guys. We've got Manny. We've got Hurtado. We've got the future potential there. I think we can afford to get rid of one of them. Because right now, we are badly needing an experienced head up there. A guy that can control it. You've got Miller that can come back, but he's not done it in MLS. I've watched Kenny Miller for years. I know he can kind of come in and out of games. If we are relying on Kenny Miller to be our saviour this year, we are in a lot of trouble. He is not going to do that. We need a proven MLS goal scorer, and we need it now. And we've just missed the transfer window to do that. And to me, Matic should have been traded, and we're really going to regret it. I might have egg in my face. He might find a rich vein of form, start banging in the goals. I'm just not seeing it. He's kind of controlled his aggression this year, and I don't know if that's maybe been like Samson losing his locks and it's taken something from his game, or if he's just a one-dimensional player that other teams have now read, and we just can't do anything with him. be interesting to hear other other listeners' thoughts on that, and 
Would you keep Matix? Would you keep playing Matix? Let us know. Get in touch via Twitter at AFTN Canada or leave a comment on the CSN thread. Well, I've certainly been a, a bundle of joy this podcast. Hopefully, hopefully you're still listening and you haven't had to rush off and, and call the Samaritans. Although, by the look on Steve's face, that isn't something you have over here. Anyway, let's move on. Let's finish on a, on a happier note. The Whitecaps PDL season gets underway on Friday. First home game, Kitsap Pumas are coming to Thunderbird Stadium. 7 o'clock kick-off. The PDL roster was announced today. There was some familiar faces, some residency guys. Some guys returning from last year's PDL team. Bobby Duty, James Farnhorst, Cam Hundle. Good to see Gagan DeSange in the team. That was a bit of a surprise because... Everyone's expecting him to, to go off to Edmonton, so maybe he wants to get a PDL season under his belt, which would kind of make sense because Edmonton would be going into their mid-season break. Now, the big absences from the PDL squad is the Whitecaps NCAA guys who, due to eligibility requirements, aren't allowed to play in the team because of the fact that they will be playing with some professionals that would be dropping down from MLS and there's also going to be some guys on paid PDL contracts. That's something we're going to look at in next week's show. If you can get out to Thunderbird Stadium on Friday evening, definitely worth it. Go and cheer the guys on. There's even going to be some guys coming up from Kitsap to cheer on the Pumas. So that's all for this episode of the AFTN podcast. As I said, we hope to be back after Saturday for a special post-game show. I'm Michael McCall, and you can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can find Steve on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. If you want to get in touch with us, either leave a message on Canadian Soccer News or send us an email at aftncanada at hotmail.com. So as always, thanks for listening. Hope you've enjoyed the show. So until next time, take care and mon the caps. Yeah, but-